Yeah. What's happening, Crosswalk? Hey. Wow, it's good to see you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for the love, Isai. The only th thing that I think you should have said differently is that we don't go to lunch enough, bro. We got a major bromance going on. I love that guy. I love this team. I love working here. I love worshiping with you all. It is amazing each and every week, and I'm so glad that we're back and uh, we're able to continue worshiping together. So last Saturday, we started a new sermon series called Pause. And in this series, we're looking at the Sabbath, what it means for us today. What do we need to reimagine? What do we need to rediscover about the Sabbath truths? And as I was thinking back on last year, I was reflecting a lot on the amount of change that we all experienced. We all experienced an incredible amount of hardship, difficulties. We had challenges. We had, I'm sure there were many highs. There were a lot of joy as, uh, joys as well. But we have come through one of probably the most interesting, crazy years of our lifetime. And we're here, right? We've been able to make those changes and adapt. You know, and throughout the year, we kept saying, like, the, the words for our years were... Um, fluidity and adaptability because we were just having to pivot all the time, make, th make this adjustment, make this change. And so I was thinking about change in relation to our understanding and our experience of the Sabbath. As we think about what does the Sabbath mean for us today, maybe there are some things that we need to recognize need to change. Maybe there are some thoughts, some thinking patterns, some behavior patterns that could use a shift so as we're here today and as we continue in the next several weeks, I want us to really lean into that, the possibility of, of something new, something fresh being discovered for us. Because I believe truly that the world needs the Sabbath today more than ever before. Right? I say that because in our society today, in the world today, information is everywhere, but transformation is scarce. Right? There are fewer and fewer people in the world today who are looking for more information about God and more and more people who are desiring a deeper experience with God. People aren't in need of more information. People are in need of transformation. People are hungry for true connection, for authentic relationships, for transcendence. People are no longer just wanting to know what is true, they're wanting to know what is real. Right, do you feel that? Is that a reality for you? So let me ask you this. What does the Sabbath look like in your life? How do you pause? How do you stop and rest each week? What does that mean for you? What is your experience of the Sabbath like each and every week? Do you call the Sabbath a delight? Is it the highlight of your week? Is it a day full of joy? Is it a holy day? Is it a day that's set apart from all the others? Is it a day of true rest? Truly the apex of the week and a, an introduction and a taste of eternity? I hope so. I hope you're able to say yes to all those things. Because when I look at what's happening in the world today, at the constant pressure, all the things around us, what I see is that there's more of a push towards consumerism, materialism, towards busyness, towards hurry, towards disconnection, and that means that there is less peace, less rest, less, less time for connection. 
less time for God. And those trends are startling. This year I became actually aware of two new trends, new things, new to me, and they're a bit, a bit frightening. The first one is called hurry sickness, and the second is called entertainment anxiety. So let me tell you about these things. By definition, hurry sickness is a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. It's an overwhelming and continual sense of urgency. You ever feel that? Well, if that's not bad enough, it goes on, it continues, it says, it's a malaise in which a person feels chronically short of time and tends to perform every task faster and gets flustered when they encounter any kind of delay. This is a real deal, my friends. This is a, this is a true thing. You can go online and you can take a quiz to see if you've got hurry sickness. There's like coping mechanisms. You can read up on it. You can find out how to deal with it. And I say, just check it out. Because if you're anything like me, you know what the symptoms are. You've experienced this sickness, right? And you know where I often or almost always get sick with hurry? The Costco gas line, right? <laughs> Is there ever a time where there's not 80 cars in line for gas at Costco? It is maddening, right? Here at the one near us, there's like a turn in the lane. So even if you're in line or getting into line, you have no clue. You can't tell which line is shortest, right? So you're like left wondering like, oh, no, 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 no. You just got to just deal with it, accept it, right? It's going to be an hour. It's going to take you at least an hour to get through that place. <laughs> so I get sick with hurry every time I'm in the Costco gas line. It is so frustrating. That's where I catch it. And what's crazy to me is that nowadays, now more than ever, I would say we have so many time-saving devices in our lives, right? We have all these things that are supposed to help us get things done quicker, save more time, right? So we have this ability for instant communication. It's like, oh, it's incredible, right? We've got now one-click shopping because oh, two or three clicks, come on. It takes too much time, right? <laughs> one-click shopping, you've got like delivery, one-day delivery, some places an hour delivery, so many things. You know, I was thinking about like fast food, how great that used to be, but now it's like, it's not even a thing because you can just DoorDash, Grubhub, Postmate it, and you can stay in your home busy watching Netflix while somebody else prepares your foods and brings it to your front door, right? What? So we have all these things that are supposed to help us save time, and yet we're more desperate for time than ever before. Remember back in the day, we had this thing, it was called spare time. <laughs> You know, this is like what you had left over after you've already done all your work and all your chores and all your study. It's like, oh, I got a little spare time. Cool. Nowadays, it's like you get a phone call and you're like, who's calling me? I don't got time to talk. Just text me, right? There's no, there's no such thing as spare time anymore, right? Years ago, there was a study done by USA Today. And this was a national survey where they found out that the vast majority of Americans said they felt busier this year than the last year. And they were busier the last year than the year before. So you know what that tells me? Is that busyness is the new normal. Right? And if you don't believe that, I have a challenge for you. As you leave here today, ask 10 people, how was your week? And tell me, tell me how many of them say one of the, probably the first thing they say, busy, 
right? That's the answer. That's like the gold standard for life now. If you're not busy, like, whoa, what are you doing? Oh, you didn't have a busy week? What? I'm so busy. I don't have time for anything. It's like, that's not healthy. That is not good. That's not what you want to say, right? Wow. And here is the question is, I mean, what do we do, right? How do we solve this? I'll tell you, the solution is not more time, right? Because I guarantee if, if any one of us were given 10 more hours in a day or in a week even, I guarantee the first thing that we would do would be to fill those hours, right? You would fill them because all of a sudden you've got the time to do that thing you needed to get done, right? You got, oh, finally I can work on this project. Oh, finally I can catch up on this show. Oh, nine seasons? Yeah, I can get through that. No, you have more time to read, to whatever. And so all of a sudden, the extra time that you have is full. You fill it, and once again, you find that you are maxed out and in need of more time. This is where this other thing, entertain, entertainment anxiety comes into play. Because right now, the society we live in, there is so much content. There's so much out there for us to consume, right? We've got so many great TV shows to watch and movies to see. We've got, you know, blogs to read, podcasts to listen to, books. All these things are great. And so entertainment anxiety comes at us when we are inevitably asked these questions. Have you watched this new? Have you seen this? Or have you had the chance to listen to this yet? And all of a sudden we're flooded with anxiety or this feeling of being overwhelmed when we're not even there. We, we are flooded by these feelings like we have not had time for all these things. We haven't had enough. We're missing out. We feel left behind. We feel anxious because we're not there. We're not up to date. We're not current with the latest and the greatest because we know, hashtag YOLO, you only live once, right? We got to take it all in. We got to make time for it all, right? Because God forbid we would ever get FOMO and have the fear of missing out, right? Oh, no, I can't miss out. I got to gotta be able to know, be in the know and all this stuff. Well, how about this for a hashtag? I'm so overwhelmed I can hardly stand it. <laughs> or can I get a moment to breathe? Listen, here is a one-sentence sermon within a sermon. You cannot do it all. You cannot do it all. We cannot do it all because we are humans. We are limited, right? We cannot do all things. We cannot see all things, read all things, listen to all things, be all things to all people because we are not God. We are human. We are limited. And to society today, culture today pushes for all that. It pushes us to, to think that we can transgress all limitations, not accept them. But we are human. And what we need to do is rather than speed up and cram more in, we need to slow down and we need to simplify. Right? We must find a rhythm that allows us to stop and to delight. And that's the beauty of the Sabbath, my friends. In the, the Sabbath word in Hebrew, Shabbat, it literally means to stop, to delight. That's the beauty built into the Sabbath. And the trouble with the busyness of our day, today's culture, today's time, is that it robs us of our ability to be present. 
right? And I don't mean just present in this moment. I mean, it robs you of your ability to be present with God. It robs you of your ability to be present with one another. It robs you of your ability to be present to the beauty and the majesty, the wonder, the awe of life. And it robs us of our ability to be present with ourselves. Last week, we heard about how God put a pause into the weekly rhythm of life so that we could experience the beauty and the joy, the wonder of life with him and with others. I love it how Pastor Tim, he said that Sabbath gives us this opportunity each week to see more fully what heaven will be like, to taste eternity. It's a palace in time. And in his, in his book, The Sabbath, Rabbi Heschel, he says, the Sabbath is a day for the sake of life. The Sabbath is not for the sake of the weekdays. The weekdays are for the sake of the Sabbath. It's not an interlude, but the climax of living. He goes on, he says, the Sabbath was last in creation, but first in intention. I love that. You know, what always gets me about the creation story, when I look at that story in Genesis chapter 1, God does this intentional work each and every day. Days 1 through 6, he does the work, he stops, he looks at what he's done, and he says, it is good. And that's beautiful, that is great. But God, on the seventh day, does something incredibly unique and incredibly special. Right, so look at Genesis chapter 2 with me. It says, God rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. So God rested, he blessed, and he declared it holy. And let's, let's look at these three things for a moment. God rested. Right? We all know God did not need to rest. God is all-powerful, almighty. He didn't need to rest. He didn't need to stop and pause. He wasn't tired. He didn't need a day to recuperate. But God did this for several reasons. I want to highlight two of them. God, he rested so that we could have a model of what rest looks like for our lives, for life on earth. God modeled that for humanity, right? And the second thing I want to say is that God built this weekly rhythm into the DNA of creation. Work six, rest one. God built it into creation. And let me tell you, friends, if you try to fight that rhythm, it's going to be a losing battle, right? Philosopher H.H. Farmer, he says, if you go against the grain of the universe, you're going to get some splinters. <laughs> I love it, <laughs> right? God established this rhythm in creation, in life, and if you try and go against that, you're going to come upon some hard times, right? There is actually a time in history, recent history, the last few hundred years, where a society in France, the French, this is during the French Revolution, they tried to change the seven-day work week into a 10-day work week. You ever heard of this? It's wild. So they, they thought that if by doing this they could increase productivity. You want to guess what happened? Disaster, right? Suicide rates skyrocketed, economy crashed, and productivity went down, not up. You cannot go against the grain, my friends. It just doesn't work. God knew what he was doing when he established this rhythm at creation. So God rested. And then God blessed. 
God blessed the seventh day. There are only two other things in the creation story that are blessed. Those things are animals and humans. Right, so is it interesting to anybody that these two things that were blessed have the ability to procreate? They have a life-giving capacity. Would it be safe for us to then say that God blessed the seventh day and within that blessing gave that day the ability to breathe life into this world, into our lives? In his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, pastor and Jesus follower John Mark Homer, he talks about research that he did on some of the happiest people on earth. And spoiler alert, it's you and me. It's Seventh-day Adventists, right? So he looks at this, the Seventh-day Adventists throughout the world, and he sees that as they keep the Sabbath, that Adventists live 10 years longer than the average American, right? So he's amazed by this. He says, I did the math, and if I Sabbath once every seven days, it adds up to, wait for it, 10 years over a lifetime. Almost exactly. Let's give it up for Sabbath keepers, right? <laughs> wow, right? Amazing. So then he goes, from now on, I'm Sabbathing three days a week. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, so God blessed the seventh day. And within that blessing, he enabled it to have life-giving qualities. The Sabbath is a gift given by God that fills our lives, fills our souls with life, with abundance. As we enter into that weekly rest and blessing, we find that we not only live longer, but we live better. So then it says, the scriptures say, God declared the Sabbath day holy. God declared it holy. Now I'd say we are pretty accustomed to thinking about something, some person, maybe even some place being holy. But this idea, this concept of a holiness in time is, is kind of foreign. Maybe not so much for us, but certainly for the ancient Near East, the idea that there was a holiness in time was absolutely foreign to them. Because they believed that, that their gods were found in the world of space, not time. So that meant for them that they had to go to a holy place, a holy mountain, a shrine, a temple, somewhere holy where they could encounter the divine. But here comes this group of people who believe in the one true God, in the God of all creation, and they begin to say that their God can be found not in a place. You don't have to take a pilgrimage somewhere to encounter God. But each and every week, there is a holiness in time where you can step into it and taste eternity, experience the divine. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. I love that line from Jesus. Now, because of our humanity, because of our mortality, we have certain tendencies, right? One of those is forgetfulness, right? So God... At the very beginning, it says he rested, he blessed, he declared the Sabbath day holy at the start of creation. But if we fast forward a couple thousand years, we come to the story of the Exodus, 
right? We find that Moses is leading the Israelites out of slavery, out of Egypt, and God is inviting the people to step into a new reality. They're in the wilderness. They're at Mount Sinai. They're set to become this holy nation, this blessing to all others that God had intended them to be. But first, they need a manifesto, right? They need some structure. They need some guidelines. They need an outline for how to live in this new reality. So God, he lays it out, the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten. And one of those ten is significantly longer than all the others. In fact, if you were to put them in a pie chart, this one commandment would take up 30% of the pie chart. And you know which one that is? The fourth. And it begins with this one important word, remember. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you should labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So they're told to remember. Now, do you think that's because God knew they would forget? Do you think that's because God knew that life would get hectic, life would get crazy, and it would take intentionality to remember, to pause? What if we are called to remember the Sabbath day because it is our opportunity to experience joy and delight? What if this is a call to remember to be present with God, with one another, present to the beauty all around us, present with ourselves? The command goes on and says, For in six days the Lord God, he made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. So the command ties them back to creation. This command is a reminder of the rhythm of life that God instituted at creation for all people, for all time. Now, if you recall, these, this generation of Israelites, they had just come out of Egypt. They'd been enslaved for, for over 400 years. So the tendency to maybe forget some of these important truths that were established at creation was pretty high. I sometimes can't recall what happened last week, right? 400 years in slavery. So God, in, an essence, in essence, is reestablishing the Sabbath. He's reinstituting it in the lives of his people, and they begin to practice it. They begin to keep it as they journey through the wilderness. And we all know the story. It took them a long time, 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And something that we often overlook, or I often overlook, is that the Ten Commandments are not only given in Exodus. They're given again in Deuteronomy. They're given again when the Israelites are on the banks of the Jordan River. They are set to enter into the promised land. Forty years later, the commandments come again. God, through Moses, has the commandments delivered to the people. And look at the difference here. There's something that we have to catch. It says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. So you notice, it says observe, not remember. Forty years had gone by. We've got a new generation of people here. They've been keeping it. And now it's time for a shift. Now it's time that they not only remember, but it's time that they observe this Sabbath day. So what does that mean? It's, it's, not a call just to remember, it's a call to observe. And what's the difference there? 
I think the call to remember deals primarily with what was forgotten or has the tendency to be forgotten. But the call to observe focuses on intention. Right? We have several days in our calendar year that we are really intentional about. Right? How often do you come to the end of the year and fail to plan something special for Christmas Day? How often do you come near the end of the month of November and fail to plan something special for Thanksgiving? What about Easter? What about Fourth of July? How about your anniversary? Or you or your loved one's birthday? How intentional are you about keeping those days special? And here, my friends, we have in our week, each and every week, this opportunity to celebrate, to receive the gift of the Sabbath. It's a day that we should do all that we can to make it special. It's a day that we should look forward to with joy and anticipation. It's a day in which we can, as Abraham Heschel says, stand still and embrace the presence of an eternal moment. Now I realize it's not always easy. Because we know life gets busy. Life is full. It takes intention. It takes awareness. And this theologian, Ronald Rollheiser, he puts it like this. He says, true restfulness is a form of awareness. It's a way of being in life. It is living ordinary life with a sense of ease, gratitude, appreciation, peace, and prayer. Another way of saying it, I like this way, says the Sabbath gives us the opportunity to have whole life orientation toward God. Wow. The Sabbath, it's our invitation to stop, to rest. But not only that, it's an invitation for us to orient our lives around and towards our great God. It's a moment for us each week to remember and to observe, to pattern the rhythms of our lives after God's rhythms, not the rhythms of the world. It's an opportunity each and every week to enter into God's delight and to touch eternity. So may you find joy and peace, rest and relief, beauty in blessings as you pause each and every Sabbath. Let's pray together. God Almighty, we are so grateful for the rhythms you established at creation, for building it into the DNA of creation of this world, Lord, this work six, rest one. God, life is chaotic, life is busy, we know that. But we thank you for this precious gift of the Sabbath an opportunity each week to not only remember, but to observe, to delight in, to stop, to be present. God, I know that it's difficult. Sometimes it's hard to be intentional about these things. So guide us, Lord. Show us, teach us, so that we can experience fully the beauty, the majesty of this special day that you rested on, that you blessed, and that you declared holy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.